Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. All right, if you would, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18 is what we're going to just jump into this message today. We are in a, a series right now, a four-part series called Passion and Purpose, and we are unpacking some of our motto kind of stuff as a movement, a passion for Jesus and His purposes in the earth. And we're looking at that, and last week we talked about having a passion and purpose in our personal lives. And so if you think about it, in fact, go ahead and flash that slide up. The way this works is there's things we're building. I didn't have, I couldn't do the boxes, you know, like Ben, but I, I could throw a slide together. But all these things are connected. Our personal lives and then, then our life together as the church. And then, and then what we do in the city, it's all interconnected. And then what we do in the nations, all of those things flow together. And so when we're living the life, when we're going for it in our personal lives, connecting with Jesus, having passion for Him, and we're bringing that reality to our life together, then, I mean, then there really starts being some vitality. When we planted the church, we set out years ago and we said, hey, we want to be the church like we read about in the book of Acts. So that's just absolutely key that I have a reality in my own life that I'm bringing to our life together so that when we're reaching out to the city and to the nations, there's something real happening here. It's based on reality. Does that make sense? Okay, awesome. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Wow. So what's going on there is that Jesus is, he's at, who who am I? And Peter gets a revelation from heaven. And check out what he says. You are the Christ, the, the anointed one of the Holy Spirit. You're anointed of the Holy Spirit, the son of the living God. And then Jesus tells him that was a revelation from heaven. You didn't get that on your own. You, you, the, you got the father, the father gave you that. The father gave you that about me, the son and my anointing in the Holy Spirit. And you have right there this revelation of the relational God of love. And Jesus says it's on that revelation. That's the revelation upon which I'm building my church. That's how this thing happens. Not just about Peter, one guy lived a long time ago. It's about a revelation. And we see this, boom, everything changes. Right? Okay. Feeling good about that. So last week, we talked about our passion and purpose in our personal lives, and we talked about how Jesus loves us with the same love that the Father loves Him. And we talked about how the Father loves us with the same love that He has for Jesus. 
And we talked about how Jesus is praying for all of us to have the same love for him that the Father has for him, and that is passion for Jesus. Is that clear? It's passion for Jesus. That's what we want to walk in, live in. Part of the way passion and purpose for Jesus and his purposes on the earth gets worked out is through community. It's through the church life. And I know that we come in on Sundays just in all different kinds of places. Can I get a witness? Anybody ever had an argument on the way to, to church? It's like three of us. And on the way to life group. You know, and so we come in, so we're frenzied sometimes, sometimes we're beat up. Sometimes we feel like, man, we're just not making it. Sometimes we've blown it during the week. Sometimes we're flying and doing great. But we come in with all of this different stuff, and then here we are together. And it's in our life together, somehow in the midst of the, the grace that God brings to us, the love that He flows through us, there's something beautiful that happens in community. That where we get to be the church of Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you, it is swimming upstream in an individualistic culture. In fact, you, would you just do this with me? Just, just maybe look around a little bit. <laughs> we, it is swimming upstream. That's what I'm saying. So when, when you, <laughs> it's goofy, but it, but it, it's a picture. It's a word picture that, that we are swimming upstream. It's not, it's not with the current to do life in community and have God's values flowing with us as a people together. It's standing against a lot of times what's going on in our culture. It's creating a, a, another culture, another way of living, another way of being human together, marked by the life of Jesus. So, you know, so, I think some of it gets back to, maybe in a practical way, the way we heard the gospel is, is a lot of times, it affects the way we live out life in Christ. So if you hear the gospel, and it's mainly about the, I'm going to go to heaven one day, my personal salvation, then we're going to, the things about the church, discipleship, those are going to seem like add-ons. It's going to seem like 401, 501, a graduate level course, when the reality is God has made us to be a part of His people in Jesus Christ. We are one people. And the people get the, we get the calling together. Now, there's individual parts and pieces and things that we do, but we have a life that we live together. And He gives us that calling together. We're the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God together. Can we just, I'm not, I'm going to stop making you do stuff, but you've, that'd be another one that you could do. It'd be funny again <laughs> to see you guys do it. But, uh, my burden, you guys, today is that we would see how critical our life together is to God's plan. You can't grow up. You can't mature. You can't, you can't, uh, being alone, I can't mature and do all that I'm supposed to do. I can only do that together with other people. You know, I needed some prayer this morning. I just got, got some prayer and just, I feel totally different than, than before when Chris prayed for me. And I asked Mike, I said, Hey, is there something else about this, this word? You know, and he had, had a little peace. It's like, we need each other. You know, we don't just float along as an island. Um, yeah. So a few weeks ago, I, I shared this thing and I, I want to share it again because a bunch of the colleges here wasn't here when I first shared this, but our view of God, affects our view of salvation. 
Our view of salvation affects our view of church. And our view of church affects the way we do the mission. But if we get kind of wonky over here on God, then it's going to be, you know, it's going to stretch or morph a little bit what salvation is to us. And so, for example, we know that God from all eternity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus prayed, Father, I want them to see the glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So there you go. All eternity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in loving relationship with one another. That's a view of God. I think it's a right view. It's an important view. But if we primarily hone in on God is ruler, so track with me here for a second. God is ruler. God became ruler at creation. Okay, There wasn't something to rule before creation. But if we lock in on that, and it's not untrue, it's just, but if we lock in on that, then that will affect our view of salvation. That means then that God's mainly about keeping rules and making sure that we're doing the rules right. And so then salvation is Jesus comes, He saves me from my inability to keep the rules. It's not untrue. There's just more than that. Okay, so then he saves me from my inability to keep the rules. Then church is a bunch of people that are gathered together who have been saved from their inability to keep the rules and they're kind of trying to maybe even enforce some of that on each other and kind of help each other. You're not keeping the rules. And and then mission then becomes like going out and helping other people who can't keep the rules learn how to do that and get saved into that. And, And again, it's not totally untrue. It's just, wow, there's more than that. And a God, the relational triune, relational God of love. So if that's who God is, then my salvation is getting saved into that, into right relationship, into reconciliation, into loving, serving, self-giving, Calvary-like looking love. That's what I've been saved into. That's what we've been saved into. That's going to affect how we treat one another, whether or not we walk away from each other or whether or not we keep turning toward one another in love. So it affects our view of salvation, which affects our view of church, the way we do community together and keep living this thing out as a life of love and relationship, which then affects our view of mission, which is, you know, there's people that need to be, Jesus died for everybody. You'll never see somebody ever that Jesus Christ didn't die for, that he doesn't have unsurpassable, incredible value and love for. Green light. God's love for everybody. Yes. Amen. So, so uh, uh, does that help as a kind of way of seeing what we think about God? Man, it affects just, it affects us. It affects our life together as the church. It affects our mission. It affects everything. Last uh, week, earlier this week, I was watching a, a, a message, part of a message from Antioch Waco, and my friend there, Drew Stedman, was preaching. And one of the things he said is the world's equation for identity, for our personal identity, goes something like this. What you do determines who you are. What you do determines who you are. How many times have we ever walked up and said, hey, how you doing? What's your name? I'm Emily. And uh, and then you say, what do you do? And that answer gives us some information and we go, oh, that's what that's that's who you are. What you do determines who you are. God flips that on its head and says, who you are determines what you do. Who you are determines what you do. And I thought, man, that's a great way to jump into this message about the church 
and us doing life together, passion and purpose in our life together, because who we are shapes what we do. We are constantly as the church because of who we are as the church being shaped by what we do. Here's the main thing. Our life together will always be a key part of developing a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. So the first point there then is that God's plan has always been for people together, always been for us doing this life together. Who we are shapes what we do. So this is about being the church. It's being and it's ultimately doing as well, but it's about being. It starts with who has God said that you are, that we are together. Years ago, I I heard a a message. I was in Louisiana and uh, at a church down there. It's a big life group conference, cell conference. And uh, the pastor told a story about a woman in the church and her son. So her son was away from the Lord. She knew that he had a destiny. She's praying for him all the time. And her, the thing she spoke over him was, you are a mighty man of God. You are a mighty man of God. You're a mighty man of God. He's messed up on drugs though. She goes, she finds out where he's at, at the drug house, the crack house. And she goes and she's banging on the door, just banging, banging, banging. And he won't come. Nobody will come. Can you imagine you got this mom out there, you know, the cubs in there and she's, you know, and nobody's, I mean, there's some tough guys in there, but nobody's coming to the door. And she's banging, you come out, you come out, you are a mighty man of God, you come out, you mighty man of God. And slowly, the door creeps open, and out walks this guy who is not looking like a mighty man of God at the moment, but then goes back with his mom, gets right with the Lord, and goes on and does ministry or something like that, is the rest of that story. And down through the years, we have, we have, Use, we have, uh, I said something funny. <laughs> I don't know how that got in the notes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. So he had an identity. You can take that off. <laughs> he had an identity. And we have an identity. So God says, this is who you are, church. This is who you are. Now live out of that reality. So we are the body of Christ. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. So when God says to us, you're the, you're the body of Christ. That means something. That's an identity. And we live out, we act out of who we are. So as the body of Christ, what does the body do? The, the neck down of the body. It walks around, does stuff, goes places, has different parts that all function. We are a multifaceted body, you know, and we all function. And here's the key, under the headship of Jesus. And so... Some of you guys may not know this, but when we first planted the church years ago, our first number one core value, the way we had it written out back then, was submission to the headship of Jesus. That was n- rule number one, the core value number one, submission to the headship of Jesus. And I can't tell you how many thousands of times, thousands and thousands of times that we've prayed that prayer down through the years. Jesus, 
You are the head of the church. Lead us. We are standing at the crossroads again. We don't know what to do. Jesus, you're the head of the church. Lead us. Jesus, lead us. And, and so our actions flow out of who we are. Does that connect? So Jesus is the head. So as the body, then we're saying, Jesus, lead us. And there's all these different parts and pinkies and hands and elbows and shoulders and, you know, and they all do things under the leadership of Jesus. That's who we are. Our, our actions flow. What we, who we are shapes what we do. And so my knee may need rubbing at some point or my ear may need scratching at some point or, you know, I need to see something or I need to do, there's different parts and we function together under the headship of Jesus, helping, healing, all the things that a body would do to help other parts of the body and other parts of the world. The next metaphor there, who we are, this who we are piece is the bride. Ephesians 5, verse 31 and 32. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So here is this, the bride is a, is a, that's, that's part of our identity. That's who we are. Guys have to get over that, but that's who we are. So there's, what kind of things would you do flowing from who you are as a bride? What's that? Pretty up. up. Take care of ourselves. As the church, we want to take care of ourselves. What else? Serve. I want to, I want to serve. I want to, I want to, I want to make, bring an offering to Jesus. He's, he's my, he's our husband. That's how the whole story ends, by the way. There's a big wedding feast, right? The wedding of the lamb, right? What else? Intimacy. Intimacy, love, intimacy, relationship, best friend. Right? You know, all of that, all of that stuff fits into our identity as the bride. And so we, we function out of that. We do things that help promote intimacy, that help promote relationship with God and with each other and friendship with God and with each other. That's, does that make, you know, there we go. I hope that connects. Um, another one. So the body, the bride, the family, uh, chapter two, verse 19. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Members of God's household is another way of saying members of God's family. We're in the house. We used to not be in the house, but now we're in the house. We were excluded from the covenant. Foreigners. But now in Jesus Christ, the wall has been brought down and he has made us to be one people, even though we have all these different backgrounds and ethnicities. And we want that. Like we want that because that's what God's family is like. One day we're going to be worshiping and there's going to be every tribe and language and nation and tongue. So get used to it now because God's called us to be a multi-ethnic epicenter, life-giving, multiplying, reproducing Christ, manifesting church. An M E E L G M R C M C, Emil Gmerkmik, something like that. I've learned that for last week. I forgot it this week. But family. So family is this huge 
metaphor where there, there's one. We don't judge each other. We, we don't see other people as unworthy of being in, but there's grace for everybody. There's grace for all peoples. There's grace for every single one of us. Nobody's left out. The family. And so that's my identity. Then even though I've got broken, messed up views of what family is supposed to be, God's putting together a righteous, holy family. And because it's got all of us in it, it's still got all our junk. Can I get a witness out there? And we learn how to live life and do life even in the midst of all that. The last one there is building. We are a building. That's part of our identity. Verse Chapter 2, verse 21, In Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So part of our identity is the building. A building is where you run when there's bad weather or there's an attack going on. You run into the building. And so we're like a place that withstands the attacks of the enemy, but we do that together. We need to be together to withstand the attacks of the enemy. When we get isolated and by ourselves, eh, you know, we're, we're a sitting duck for what, what the enemy wants to do in our lives. What else though? A temple. What happens in a temple? Worship, praise, prayers. So, so what we do is shaped by protection for one another and for worship and prayer. It's gonna, who we are affects what we do. So all those things are happening there. Let's look at the next one. So who we are shapes what we do and what we do expresses God's life. What we do expresses God's life. And I thought, man, you could put all kinds of things in that last blank there. You know, what we do expresses God's life. It could be what we do expresses God's love, God's character, God's holiness, God's righteousness, God's justice, God's peace, God's patience. What we're doing is expressing something about God, about our identity as who we are as the people of God. So, Individually, we're doing, we're, we're meeting with the Lord. We're abiding in Him during the day. Then corporately, we're coming together. And what we do matters. We do all of these intentionally as leaders, as elders in the church, as staff. You know, we're helping to put things on the calendar that reflect, that are actions that reflect who we are. So we come together. We worship like this. We do regular times of communion and Lord's Supper. Because that we express, we experience God's presence in the midst of all of that. That's being the building and the temple and the body. All of those things are happening. What else? Uh, we plan worship nights. We've got some worship nights coming up. Nights of prayer, prayer meetings happening all around. You know, uh, I occasionally go to the women's prayer meeting on on Wednesdays, and and uh, it's okay. I love it, man. I get I just like some prayer warrior. Mighty women of God in there, you know, and uh, Micah came by and he said, hey, man, I think I'm going to the women's prayer meeting today. He said, you want to go? And I was like, totally. And and then I thought, you know, I, I go a bunch. I go about every five or six weeks. And Micah, you just go. He comes back in glowing about an hour later. He's like, man, that was awesome. I was like, women of God praying, prophesying over me. It was awesome. So, uh, amen. You know, so all of those are different things that happen. How many of you guys know that we do... Uh, regular fast. We do a, a, a prayer and fasting corporately a couple times a year. Like, can I get a? <laughs> you know, but those are spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices that we do together. I know a bunch of you guys, people come to me regularly and say, you know, that was the first time I ever did prayer and fasting. 
was because we were encouraged to do it as a church together. And I knew some other people were doing it with me, you know. And so, but, but practices like that, they help us, they help us walk into the fullness of our calling and experiencing God's presence. We intentionally plan for mission, asking God, show us, Lord, how to take the next steps as we're moving from neighborhoods to the city to nations. And that's what God's, that's the call of God on us. For us, you know, life groups, we're intentional about life groups. This is life group Sunday. If you're not connected, you know, let's, let's jump in there because it's not just a program for us as a church. Life groups aren't just something we do. We got a Sunday school, we got life groups, you know, these different things. You know, it's more like there's two main things we're doing. You know, like Acts 2, they met from house to house and in the temple courts. So, and I know this doesn't look a lot like the temple court. It looks a little bit like a strip center, but it's our temple courts. Okay. And then we meet from house to house, these small meetings. Sometimes they're in dorm rooms or different places on the campus and all of that, different uh, people's workplaces. But it's that small, basic Christian community that if something happened to us, we could go underground because that's how real the church that's being experienced in the house is to us and how meaningful and important it is. In fact, it's so meaningful and important that if you can figure out how to do that, you could actually go to another part of the world and start the whole process all over again. You're learning the stuff. You're learning how to do church by, by doing it there together like that in the house. So let's talk about some of the practicals that we do. If you flash the one another's up, we have to be in enough relationship with each other to actually do do stuff. If we, if we, if our picture of I'm saved and I'm a part of this ethereal universal church, but I don't have people in my life, you can't do like 59 times in the New Testament. It says, we're not going to go through all of these, but it says, do something with one another. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one another over and over and over again. Love one another. Love one another. Right? Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. That Romans 14 stuff is huge for us all getting along. I, I remembered in the middle of uh, the sermon in first service that one of the big places we had to work through Romans 14, it, it, it's been a number of years now, but was in the Y2K, the little lead up to Y2K. So Y2K, for all of you guys, was this thing that happened... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> leading up, leading up to the year 2000 and everybody flipped out and thought the world was coming to an end. Basically weren't sure if computers were going to work. And there's all these older people would say, amen, just real quick. So you remember, yeah. so it was a big deal. And in the church, we had some people that bought rice and beans because they didn't know what was going to happen. And they stored it up in big bins in their, in their garages. So rice and beans. And, and they weren't sure about the people that weren't walking in enough faith to get the rice and beans. And then you had people over here that didn't get rice and beans, but it was a faith kind of thing for them too. And they weren't sure about the ones that were getting rice and beans. And so it was kind of like, you know, Romans 14. And we had to gently, it was much, it's actually kind of lighter now to talk about it. But back then it was like, Hey, this is kind of like Romans 14, you guys. Beans and, and, and rice and water people don't look down on the faith of the people that, that don't get beans and rice and water. And, and no beans and rice and water people, do you think it's all going to just keep working? Your computers and water's going to keep flowing and food's going to be out there and the truck's going to move and all that? 
don't look down on the people that, you know, for their faith over here. I'm taking too long in this story. But does it help? Stop passing judgment on one another. That's it. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, that that's all through the New Testament. And if it's not greeting one another with a holy kiss, it's greetings and greetings and greetings. So what we do in... Uh, I'm trying to... I'll find a guy. Surprise. He's like, he's like, are you going to kiss me? He's like, but the point is, it's, it's, uh, we actually do have some kissers in, in our church, and, uh, but they've also spent a lot of time in Europe. So, but it really happens. But the point is the greeting, the warmth of guy or girl. I'm so glad to see you. Lord bless you. How you doing? You know, it's, it's a holy hug probably or a holy handshake, but something that's warm and that expresses love. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Serve one another in love. Carry each other's burdens. Track on. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. These are, these are good. Like, but you can't do it if you're not a part of it. It's, it's, we're doing these things because we're in each other's lives, forgiving each other. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's a difficult one for me. I, I rarely feel the need to do that. Like, I, I like doing it when we're together. But just walking up to Micah, you know, at the office and just taking off on a song. And, but I did grow up in that kind of a household. I grew up in a musical. My dad is a song leader, worship leader still. And he will just take off on at the dinner table, would do that all the time. Hey, everybody sing. And most of us would find that a little bit awkward, but not dad. And uh, he'll still sing songs to me. He's learning some Hillsong tune or something. Hey, Jamie, have you heard this one? Listen. And that's awesome. He's singing me psalms and hymns and spiritual songs over the phone, literally. My 77-year-old dad. Sub, yeah, amen. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the way we treat one another, is, it really flows out of what we think about Jesus. You know? So bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. We're going to pray in just a minute. We always do at the end of our services. But what does it mean for you to be the church in light of the one another's? And see, as we were just reading Scripture, somewhere the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us in different ways. I, we all get convicted in different ways. Lord, help us. If we need to forgive, then help us to have grace to do that, to forgive as we've been forgiven. Teach and admonish one another. Encourage one another. Check it out. Encourage one another daily is the next one there. Encourage one another daily. I think it's because we need encouragement. And I, I, I there, there was a, I'm thinking of a far side right now. There's a, a like a deer or something with a, with a bullseye. And another deer comes up and says, bummer birthmark. <laughs> but as you think about me, as you think about me, you can just see a big bullseye somewhere on me. And it, it's an encouragement bullseye. Just because I, I've just found myself needy for encouragement 
my whole life, and I think you're the same way. We all need encouragement, right? So just game on. Thank you, Lord. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. Keep on loving. So he says, keep on. Why does he say keep on? Because we need to keep on. We drift. We get in a ditch. We forget to do it. Don't slander one another. Don't grumble. Confess your sins. Pray for each other. Offer hospitality. Clothe yourselves with humility and love one another. Love one another. The last six or seven in the New Testament are the first John, second John, third John. Love one another's. All of that's huge. And the reason why it's huge is we don't do these perfectly. None of us do. I don't. And it's because we're, we're broken. We're on a journey. We're in process. We need grace. And so by God's grace, He does help us. One of the things that happens that we need each other for, passion and purpose in our life together, is healing. Like, just... Uh, the longer you live, if you haven't been wounded or hurt somewhere along the way, the longer you live, you, you, you will be. And I'm not, it's not a bad, I'm not saying something bad over you, just, that's life. So hard things happen. And I remember, uh, Yancey years ago, because we were so mission oriented and, you know, go, 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 you know, running up the hill and everything. And, and that was, that was kind of what I saw. You know, it was like, come on, let's do it, guys. And we can put the flag on the hill and it's going to be awesome when it happens. And he's like, Jamie, this is good, but we need a mash unit. If this is really that kind of a, a picture of the church, like we're trying to do stuff for God, we need a mash unit around here. You know, the tent with the Red Cross thing and not just Yancey, but Laura and others have have said, we've got to have a place as we're advancing on the journey where people who have taken a shot or a bullet or whatever can get healing. And so we do listening prayer now. We didn't used to do that stuff. We've got a more of a pastoral care presence. We do tending your heart, which is, uh, we just had Rick Buescher in at the discipleship school on Monday night. And so all of these things are just, they're important for helping us make it for the long haul. And you guys, What's happening as we do all of this is that we're creating a culture together. A culture that's it's shaping and changing us where we're walking in grace. We know we recognize our limitations and our brokenness, but there's healing along the way. And we're not discarded and left back there, but we're on this journey. And our hands, they're like this. We're trying to bring as many along as we can. Okay? That's the way my hands... They really are, often to a fault. But I want, let's go together. Let's do this thing together. And then the final point that I want to make here this morning as we're wrapping this up is who we are shapes what we do. What we do expresses God's life. And then God's life cannot be contained. You know, living things really do multiply. We said that from the beginning, and it's been our experience to see New disciples and new life groups and new congregations just burgeoning out of this place. And we're going to keep going on that vision. Uh, Jesus tells this parable in Mark 4 about it's the parable of the growing seed. The farmer plants the seed and he goes away and all by itself, this seed turns into a plant. The Greek word is automaton, all by itself. It's where we get the word automatic from. And so this thing is just growing and it looks like, what? what how is that happening? It's because of life. 
And so when God's life is in us, I can't be silent about it. I'm going to find a way of telling you about the Jesus that I love. So I want His life to be reproduced in me. In our life groups, if they've got God's life flowing in them, that they're going to give birth to other life groups. And this church, this congregation right here, is going to give birth to other congregations. And as we're a part of the church in the city, God's doing some great things with the pastors right now. The church in the city, Fort Worth, ah, is called to be an apostolic sending city for the nations of the world. We've seen it. We're believing for it. And that's why our vision here at Antioch was intentional. <laughs> Still working on it. At Antioch is to share and multiply the life of Christ in the church. Share and multiply the life of Christ in the church. Just let that sink in. That's what we're trying to do. It's, it's not always about numbers and stuff. It's, it's life. If you walk in life, it, you, it can't be stopped. Like, I want to do the things that are life and things that aren't life. I don't want to do those things. Like we're doing something and we did, well, we've done this for 15 years, but it's not life anymore. Let's not do that anymore. Our vision is to share and multiply the life of Christ in the church through new disciples, new life groups, new congregations to the glory of God and the joy because it brings joy to people to hear this good news about Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're about. That's what passion and purpose in our life together is all about. We want to be, be the church like we read about in Acts. We want to be that group. We want to be those people that we want to be like what we read about in Acts 11, you know, where there's the grace of God and where we would be people that see the grace of God and know Jesus. And so it flows from our life with Him, our passion for Him to, and, and obeying Him in our personal lives to, to right here, cultivating a, a lifestyle of devotion in our life together as a church. And man, it just can't be stopped. You know, by God's grace. Who wants to be a part of that? Yeah, I do. I do. And I just, I'm so thankful that we get to do this. So may the Lord just lead us in our next steps. I know there's different ways we need to respond because the church, you know, there's, there's, there's dreams that we have, but there's also things where we've been hindered maybe from the past or hurt or wound. And so if you would stand up and we would, we just want to respond to the Lord this morning. Worship team's coming up. We'll just take five minutes here to do this. But uh, we just want to respond to the Lord. So whatever's happening in our own hearts, Father, would you help us to be the church of Jesus Christ and all of its life and power and vitality. Lord, for some of us, we need to just more know who we are. And what we do is going to flow from that. Doing body things, doing bride things, doing, doing building things, doing just being one people kinds of things. But Lord, in all that we do, we want to express Your life and Your love and Your kingdom and Your reign, Your kindness, Your compassion. We want to express that life and Lord, we really do believe that that life cannot be contained. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so, you know, if it's connecting with Jesus, maybe that's in 2018, I want to, I want to follow Jesus, or I want to be a part of His people. I want to connect more with His people. 
whatever your need is this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. We do this every Sunday. And this, I think a lot of times is the most important thing that we do because people get help. So whatever's going on in your hearts right now, and if there's maybe even a barrier to hearing this or some reason that you're being held back, then man, let's get prayer. And just prayer changes things. Our prayers matter. So whatever your need is this morning, you guys, it could be even too just healing. I need help. I've got us going through a situation. Come and get prayer. We want to pray for you in Jesus' name. Y'all come. Meet us, Lord. Meet us here today. Shape and mold us. Change us. Be bold, you guys. If you know you need to come, go for it.